What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Scott Lease, here with my good friend and partner in the Surf and Sales Summit, Richard Harris. How's it going, Richard? It's good, man. Are you alive? You sound really tired today. You good? <clears throat> I, I was uh, speaking at an event last night in, uh, in downtown Austin, which I rarely venture into downtown Austin. So got home a little late, you know. How was it? Pretty good. It was uh, um, put on by this company called Howdy, who's been a, a client of mine. And uh, Women in Tech, I think, is the name of the group who, who helped. Oh, I saw that one. It. Right. Yeah, it was at the at the Capital Factory in downtown Austin. Pretty good turnout. Maybe 50, 60 people there. Nice. Personal branding and, and things like that. Yeah. So, you wore a suit and tie, I presume? Yeah, yeah. I wore a suit, a suit and tie. That's right. Does he I mean, own one? I look like one of the men in black. That's what, right. what I look like. We're uh, we're joined today by uh, <laughs> a good friend uh, and founder, CEO of True Commish. His name is Dan Goodman. He's been fighting the good fight on behalf of employees and employers, which we'll probably dig into in, in a little bit. But before we uh, bring Dan on, uh, Richard, let's talk about uh, our wonderful sponsor, HubSpot. Yeah. Uh, let people know what they need to know here. Yeah, I do want to answer Dan's question. Yes, he does own a suit. And it's been a long time since I've seen him in a tie, but I have seen him in a suit. Uh, Excellent. I got, I got three or four, three or yeah. four. Still. So uh, thank you to HubSpot as always. We also want to uh, share some insights with another podcast who's on the HubSpot podcast network. If you haven't checked it out, you should. They've got all kinds of categories from sales and marketing to leadership. So it's a, it's a, it's a powerful place to go to the HubSpot podcast network. Uh, but we want to talk about our friend, Scott Clary. Uh, and his podcast, Success Story, um, he does a lot of Q&A, very similar to what Scott and I do with business leaders and startups and entrepreneurs. Um, and he's he's done some great sessions that are really fun to listen to. I think Scott's favorite one is uh, liquidity and liquor, uh, two of Scott's favorite topics. Uh, with it's actually, the, uh, there's only one other topic I like to talk about, and that's probably sports. That's it. That's true. That's true. It's a so, very limited game, actually. Yes. I've got three moves, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, liquidity and liquor he covers with uh, Reeve Collins, who's the co-founder of Smart Media Tech and founder of Tether. Um, and uh, he's both been a, you know, Reeve's been in digital marketing and Bitcoin and blockchain, which are not necessarily something I'm, you know, I sort of follow, right? Like I think Scott and I jumped on the bandwagon a couple of years ago, and I don't know if I've ever looked at the account ever since, but probably should have listened to this. First, <laughs> I should listen to an expert yeah, before I listen to Scott or Scott listened to me about. Bitcoin. Yeah, by, by saying we know what we were talking about in, in that arena, what it means is we spent some money and lost most of it. Yes, agreed. That's the extent of your knowledge in this arena. Right. So, which is also why, you know, again, we just, you know, go check out Reeve Collins uh, episode with Scott Clary on Success Story and they talk about that and then you know, there's no mention about this liquidity and liquor thing. So I'm curious what that part is too. So, you know, we'll see. We should probably have him on Scott and, and see if, what kind of tequila he likes. We should test him. We should. So we should. That's anyway, I'll turn it back to you. Dan, good to see you. Dan Goodman, uh, why don't you give people the, the lowdown of who you are and what you do so they have context as we jump into this, this conversation. Absolutely. First of all, great to be here. Thank you both, uh, uh, Richard and Scott. Appreciate it. Um, I'm Dan Goodman. I'm the founder and CEO of True Commish. Um, I am the advocate for employees everywhere. Um, I provide them the, the data, the information, 
uh, to stand up for themselves, to not be bullied and intimidated, to not be stolen from. Um, what we built is a, a commission uh, audit service for sales reps to be able to go in there, uh, answer questions about their comp plan for our system to replicate it, upload their bookings and commission information. And not only will we identify deals that appear that they weren't paid properly on, we'll actually put a value on those deals based on where you are in your comp plan, your performance for the year. Now you actually have the data to go back to your company to go and say, hey, I have not been paid on these deals and this is how much you owe me on them. And now they can't play these games like, you know, what are you talking about? Or we'll look into that or what have you. Um, in addition to that, um, I've kind of taken on this role to be an advocate for employees in every setting. I've been consulting and helping, helping folks with severance agreements, employment offers, you know, PIPs, comp plans, commission audits, stock equity grants and the like. So it's been, uh, it's been wonderful to be able to kind of fill this role, especially in this time right now, where uh, a lot of uh, bad behavior by employers are happening and uh, employees are left wondering what they can do about it. I think the first question some people may ask and ask themselves is, is this really prevalent? Is this just like, you know, one in a million, this happens? How often is this kind of stuff occurring? Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I actually kind of had that idea, you know, maybe three years ago and I'm shocked, you know, initially I thought this issue with commission pay and commission transparency, you know, was an issue really with more complex, uh, high transaction volume settings. What I'm finding right now is, is that if you're in sales, it's not a question of if, but when, you know, you, you will have experienced wage theft. Um, it, it's just, it, it happens everywhere. Well, I'm sorry, it, go ahead. Yeah. But does it, do you think it's intentional or do you think it's unintentional, but then the company intentionally doesn't want to solve the problem. So there's two separate issues here. So as it relates to commissions and complex compensation, a portion of it is intentional, a majority of it probably not. I believe that they intentionally make the comp plan so complex and difficult to track that employees are just left sort of having to rely on blind faith and trust that it's right with very little way of checking it. So I believe that part's intentional. And then the more complex it is, the more likely there are errors and difficulty to track and report on it. So that by its nature will lead to these errors. Um, on the other side of the thing, when we're talking about employee behavior outside of compensation, you know, around, um, you know, your, your bonuses, your, your, your large payouts, your employment, your stock uh, equity grants, I am seeing very, very intentional, bad, bad behavior around uh, severance and PIPs and terminations to avoid paying out large variable compensation. And those absolutely are intentional. So what are, what are one or two of those? I know I probably derailed this from Scott, but what are some of the bad behaviors? I put out a, I mean, I, I have so many to choose from. I could give you dozens and dozens. I put out a post today. There was a rep who was recruited from a prior company. had been there for a while. If he was still there, he'd have a job. Uh, he was uh, given a, a, some uh, RSUs with a four-year vesting with a one-year cliff. Uh, the sales cycle for the products that he was selling was anywhere from six to 12 months. He was there about you know, 10, 11 months. They come to him on, on the last few days before his equity is going to vest, and they terminate him for no reason. He had built up a pipeline, worked his butt off for 10 months. There's about a, almost $100,000 in pipeline for commissions that was going to pop for him. And now he's left with nothing. So, I mean, there's, there's a perfect example of one. I mean, I can give you so many. I mean, there was a rep that was about to close a $10 million deal. He was a rock star rep in, the, in a startup. Uh, just before they were about to close the deal, they fired him out, outright. Uh, he was, would have been due a million-dollar commission on that deal. The, the, uh, vet, the vendor, the customer found out about it. And they pulled the $10 million deal and they pulled the existing contract that they had with the company because they had an out clause in it. And the rep was out a million dollars and the company didn't have that deal. And now they laid off 25% of the company as a result of that. 
There's an unlimited number of examples I can provide you, Richard, all with different stories, all people reaching out to me every day, wanting to share their story and, and spot, put some light on it. But I think that begs the next question, which is like, what is somebody's recourse? Like, what am I supposed to do if I'm a seller, uh, VP, whatever the role is, if, if, if I feel like I'm owed money and, you know, based on the comp plan and everything, I really feel like, hey, I deserve this. They're bending the rules here intentionally or not. What the heck am I supposed to do about it? Because I, I think a lot of people go to, do I need to get a lawyer? And then that's expensive and all that's stressful. And I don't want to deal with all of this and, and can get kind of, you know, overwhelmed. Right. So what should somebody do? What's, what's, what's like a good first step? So that's really why I started my consulting practice, because there's nowhere else for anyone to go to other than litigation, which immediately becomes combative, uh, confrontational, expensive, time consuming, and it, nobody wins with it other than the attorneys. So what I seek to do, whether it's around a commission issue, a comp plan issue, a severance, a PIP, whatever it is, I seek compromise. So what I do is I have a framework that I use when it comes to any issues around an employer-employee issue. And basically, it lays out the entire uh, situation. It talks about the employee, uh, you know, th their character, their morals, their values, their ethic, their, their success throughout their career, how they came to the employer, what the issue is here at hand. And we kind of lay the whole thing out and what the options are at this point. You know, what can we do? Should we, should we go the legal route? Because I will go the legal route if I have to, because I owe it to myself and my family to pursue this, or I could have years and years of regret. So, you know, what I seek is a compromise, a win-win based on empathy and doing the right thing and lay out the entire case as if it were going to go to an attorney. And now if they refuse to work with you, you can hand this over to an attorney. The case is pretty much written up, you know, maybe a 15 minute interview with the, with the employee and maybe some legalese to throw in there. And it's enough to put up the scare in the employer to say, hey, Scott's actually going to take action. He's not just full of baloney. He's not just saying he's got to do something. He's showing us that he's going to take action and we better take him seriously. Scott, have you ever experienced this? Yeah, I have. I am not to the, not to the extreme levels, um, you know, that Dan has seen and heard and, and kind of alluded to before, but I've had to go back and, and go to my um, founder and finance person and been like, Hey, hold on a second. You know, this commission check is for $5,000. And I thought, based on what I've done, it's supposed to be 7,000. Like what's going on here? You know, I've had to do that before. Sometimes it was a, um, oops, I don't know what happened. Sometimes it was a, well, actually, here's our explanation for why we, you know, took these away from you. Like, wasn't your deal or so-and-so got 50% on this deal because of these reasons or this deal is a clawback and sorry, we never told you about it. Right. And I, and I've had reps who've come to me and said, Hey, you know, um, my commission check doesn't look right. And I'm like, well, okay, let me look at my records here. It looks like you're due $10,000 for April's sales. So your, your May commission check should be 10 grand. And they're like, yeah, it shows four grand. And I'm like, okay, well, let me go dig in. And then I have to go dig in with, you know, founder and finance person, all that. So I've been a part of it, you know, 
I would I would say in every single company that I ever was an operator at, there was instances like this. Every single one of them. So Scott, and, I was going to interject, but you covered the point. You were talking about you as a sales leader having this issue. I have spoken to dozens and dozens of sales leaders who are so frustrated that their reps come to them, show them these pay errors. They go to bat with the CEO or the CFO about it. And the CFO is telling them, pound sand, we're not going to pay it, even though it states in the comp plan and the monies are due. The sales leader ends up leaving on their own because they don't want to work for leadership that's so unethical. So, so talk about, let's say it gets to that, that part, you know, where you have to send this document. Do you think the, do you think the founders are, and, and it's not founders, do you think it's the, let's call it the company? Do you think they really just don't care? They're malicious towards sales? Like, does that, here's the better question. Is it happening to marketing? Is it, is marketing getting screwed too? on their bonuses for not getting, you know, the leads or whatever it is? Like, are you seeing it across other channels? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're focused on sales, but yeah, I've had a, a, at least a dozen customers of, of, of marketing leaders and product leaders and in different roles. They don't have to be leaders. I've, I've worked with SDRs. I've, you know, worked with marketing reps and so on and so forth. It is across the board. Um, it, it's not specifically to sales. I think with, with people outside of sales, you're talking about more MBOs and, and equity. It's a lot easier to mess with commissions because it, it, commissions can be so confusing based on these overly complicated comp plans. You know, in these other areas, they're a little bit more straightforward, but you know, they're they're you know based on you know someone's objective view of it. You know, um, so it's really up to them to make that decision. They also happen less frequently, right? Like the first thing I think about is all of uh, Uncle Elon's Twitter firings and and all of those engineers and you know employees over there that. Um, got let go a day before they were supposed to vest all these options and they were due big, huge bonuses and stuff like that. And those are all tied up in like massive lawsuits, class action suit, one-on-one -on -one lawsuits. You're talking about big money in those. Yeah. So at what point in this journey, Dan, did you decide like, I need to uh, really evangelize this topic and I need to get out in front and that requires me to start building my brand and making myself more seen because you've done a tremendous jo job. I mean, you've gone from, I don't know the exact number. I mean, it's called zero followers to, you know, over 10,000, over 15,000. I think you might be around 20 now. 23, Scott, 23. There you go. 23,000. And this is, you know, I'd call it in around a year from yeah. my, my recollection. I mean, that's incredible growth. What, um, at what point were you like, this is the way for me to kind of get the message out there because it's a very different, you know, kind of modern go-to-market type strategy because you don't have a huge sales organization or anything like that. So talk right. a little bit about, about that choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I initially have been bootstrapping the business, you know, haven't really raised much other than friends and family, not taking salary because I'm just so passionate about being that advocate, being that resource, bringing the solution to market for salespeople. It's just been such an uneven uh, setting for so long, such a one-sided relationship. And everyone just sort of takes it. And uh, I've always been someone who uh, you know, likes to stand up to things and doesn't like to be bullied and intimidated and will have regret for a long time if I, if I don't do that. And you know, so I want to bring that forward to other people. 
So I started posting on LinkedIn. It was never my desire. I've never used social media before, if you can believe it. You know, one of my first posts that I ever put out was in this past August. It got 128,000 impressions. And it was about a guy who got screwed out of $36,000 that I helped uh, get back for them. And we were able to successfully- I've never had a post have 100,000 views. Like I've never. Really? Nothing. Nope. Nope. I'm not- Well, that's going to lead. That's actually going to lead to the next thing I was going to say. So as a way to promote True Commission, I started just posting about all these topics. So I put a post out about severance like three months ago, and it got 400,000 impressions off of that one post. And then within two weeks, I had 20 people reaching out to me, asking me if I would review their severance agreement for a fee. And I'm like, uh, sure. So since January 31st, I've had 90 paid customers around comp plans, commission audits, severance, employment agreements, PIPs, stock equity grants. I've negotiated compensation plans for folks. I've gone on calls with their legal and HR departments and negotiate severance agreements with them. And it was never a plan. It was never an intent. People came to me and it was never a goal to do this. My goal was to bring true commission to the market so salespeople had pay transparency. And this kind of so, evolved as a result. I want to, I love what you said really early in this conversation was, you know, you have, you, you, the strategy is to come in with empathy, not anger. And that's really hard because you're talking about people's money, right? What are the kinds of things, let's say someone can't afford a Dan Goodman or a lawyer, but they want to go in with empathy and have this conversation. What are the kinds of things one can say that are meant to be positive around trying to create a compromise? Like, are there some mini scripts you can share? Because there's probably a lot of people listening to this. Hopefully, please, obviously, you know, aside from checking out HubSpot, Please check out Dan if you need this help. He's there. To so the, the, the first thing they, I do is I, it, 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 at the end of the document, I have two sections. One is sort of what I refer to as the human impact. And the second one is my summary. So the human impact talks things like, you know, Richard, through no fault of your own, you find yourself in the worst job market in, in, in 20 years with the highest inflation rate in 40 years that now is taking two to three times longer to secure a job. And all you did was buy into their promises. You left a good job to come here based on these promises, based on these assurances that you relied on in making this decision. They never came through with their side of these assurances. And as a result, you find yourself unemployed through no fault of your own other than successfully executing on the responsibilities of the job as you've been asked to. So that's sort of one piece of it. And then we talk about you know the time it takes to get a job, how severance is meant to bridge the gap from being let go to finding that next job and that you know, severance offers now are reflecting that, that we seek a win-win solution where both parties can walk away with their head held high so that you can now speak positively about your experience while working there, as well as how you were treated on your departure, instead of being someone who's going to be looking to grind with that company and be a negative voice as, as frequently as they can. So that, that's kind of where we approach it. And then it's sort of the, the, la the last section is sort of a summary where we're seeking sort of a compromise. It's better for that money to go to the employee rather than to attorneys. Oftentimes, the difference between what the employee seeks and what's offered is not that big of a difference in the big picture of things. So that's, all, that's just part of the narrative that I share as part of this process and part of this document. It's been extremely successful. Um, I, I Do you, you share that first part with their... So again, you're going into this conversation. Let's say I'm going into my conversation with the, my founder, Scott Lees, who screwed me on you know, millions of dollars because um, he's a greedy motherfucker. But um, I always love it when Scott laughs out loud, but he's on mute. 
because then it makes it seem like I'm not that fun. So are you going in with that human piece of like, hey, look, you know, I came here based on these promises. I did the job. Like, what are you saying to the employer? Like what, what I, how I interpreted what you said was what you say to me is the person who's. No, no, this is the document that we create. I have a 10 step framework that in right. some but cases I, might be. Qu a my question is, what do you, you go into this conversation with the employer? What do you say? How do you start the conversation there in a hopefully non-combative tone? Well, I guess it, it depends what the topic is. I mean, if it's a commission issue or if it's a, you know, you know, oftentimes, you know, it's, it's, you know, the last thing you want to do is put them into a corner, Right. And then have them become defensive and then strike back at you, right? So I always kind of do it some sort of thing like, you know, this must be some sort of an oversight or this must be some sort of a mistake or it really was someone else that you were looking to pip or terminate because, you know, my record and my performance has been nothing but outstanding here based on the, you know, the, the equity grants and the bonuses and the, and, the, and the raises that I've received. So that's kind of the look that I do. I do a first pass that's very gentle. And then if we don't get the response that we're looking there, then it's a much more aggressive approach in a second document that's about a quarter of the length. And it basically is the equivalent of a legal demand letter, not coming from an attorney, so that they can preview what the case is going to look like and what they're in for. Got it. That, that's what I was trying to get to. For those who can't really get into it, they, where can they sort of get started so they can at least try? And I, I agree with you of that, hey, I just want to make sure there's not a miscommunication or a misunderstanding and, you know best of intentions to have this conversation you know i think that's a smart smart play which is also as scott knows very anti-richard that's the last thing you know richard yeah, probably I'm, goes of step 10 of your 10 steps richard probably starts at 11 right <laughs> is that is that fair to say scott it's probably true yeah i mean i mean i mean the last thing that people want to do is go down this litigious path it's just uncomfortable i mean they see oh, not me I love, to, I love to punch people and say hey, that's my problem Scott and I just had this conversation the other day. I was working on a deal and I'm like, here's my situation. And he goes, you know, my challenge is that I want to be right, you know, and win. And Scott's like, well, which do you want? Do you want to be right or do you want to win? And I, you know, that is the essence of Richard, you know, and, and that's why I, and I encourage so, everybody to have a, a someone like Scott in your life. Who so, can so, so Richard, you and I you think you and I think very alike like that. And when I aligned with Scott way back when, and I was early on in the platform, and he was telling me how to engage in the platform and not to pitch slap and to just be entertaining and be educational and inspirational and expect nothing and just give. It took me a long time to get that mindset, but I am completely bought in in every way. And in the very beginning, I would say to Scott on a call we have. I say, you know, Scott, you just see what this person wrote. And then I would like want to go after him. I want to just destroy them. And he, you know, he would tell me the same thing that he told you. And after a while, it finally stuck. And I just kind of just brush it off and just, you know, just dismiss it. I'm sure this episode will make my mother very happy to know that I'm calming. I have a calming influence on people. Uh, at least, at least me, Scott. I mean, look what you started with. <laughs> Scott, your mother already knows this about you. She's, you know. You know, your, your mom knows how wonderful you are and she loves to talk about it. So, uh, <laughs> well, we're giving her ammo. We're giving her yes. ammo now, me calming, calming you too, uh, guys. You know, you know, Scott's blushing when he can't look straight in the camera. Yeah. Yeah. It happens a lot, actually. <laughs> that happens a lot, actually. My that arm, is, my that, that's how you know you're getting to Scott. That's so true, Dan. Like, there's yeah. a mic. He's got the hat down low. He's looking away. <laughs> he feels really yeah. good about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. We got to pause here for a second because I got to do a, a HubSpot blurb. 
Um, but we'll come back and ask Dan some more questions. And, and Dan, certainly, you know, feel free to hammer us with questions and stuff like that. So it's meant to be a two-way street. Um, you know, again, thanking HubSpot uh, for all the support they provide us, as well as the sales community in general. Um, they really know how under pressure people are, which is very apropos for this conversation with Dan. Um, the business leaders are under pressure, the reps are under pressures, everything from more leads, faster sales, better insights, nurturing customers, all that kind of stuff matters. And, and HubSpot's one of those one-stop integrations where you can kind of get that stuff done. You can drag and drop stuff. They got about 1,300 integrations that are easy to add. I do wonder what the maximum number a human can actually contend with. Like, I, you know, I think it's about four, at least for me. You know, I don't know. Scott's about one because he doesn't, you know, you know, he's still on a, on a different kind of a spreadsheet world, but, um, but we really do appreciate HubSpot and their, and their tools to help um, not just salespeople, but marketers too. And it's really all in one. So, you know, again, thank you so much to HubSpot for being here and, and certainly really appropriate to talk with Dan about commissions and CRM and stuff like that. Um, here's a question for you based on this. Theoretically, at, a, at an easy level, should it be easier for people to track their commissions in the CRM instead of having to do it in some big Excel spreadsheet? Like, wouldn't it be cool for teams to be able to see their commission daily, you know, in the CRM? Have you seen good examples of that? Yeah, I mean, so it really, it, it's, there's a reason why they don't. Um, so the CRM is basically the employee owns the CRM, they're entering all the data, they're putting it all in, so on and so forth. And then it basically gets, once the deal is closed, it gets thrown over the, to the wall to the you know the, to the, the the production system or the invoicing system or what have you so and then it's built off of that so it's kind of two separate things i would love to see someone build a crm that provided true pay transparency all the way from start to finish so the problem is that the crm ends at the book deal and then it gets thrown over the wall to the rest and they never meet in the middle and that's what true commission tries to do we want to track the deal from inception from the time it was initially closed and that customer agreed on it I mean, to me, if you're trying to close and penetrate a large enterprise account for the first time, it can literally take you 12, 18 months to do so. The customer finally shakes your hand, agrees on a dollar amount, and now the company has no obligation to report to you based on that dollar amount. They, they only reported what the customer ends up getting invoiced months and months later. So, you know, if somehow we could tie that all into one view, one system, and that's really what True Commission is trying to be, to be that platform. So we have integrations with the CRMs, with the commission softwares, we can upload Excel spreadsheets and now it's all in one place and we can track that deal from inception all the way to the end. Cool, cool. All right, Scott, get up. Yeah, I wanna, <clears throat> I wanna know why, let's say I'm a, I'm a startup founder, I'm a startup CFO, whatever. I might be sitting here thinking, okay, well, I can see why this tool would be great for the employees, right? Why is it great for me? Why is it important for me to get this stuff right from the get-go and not have these kind of issues? Because, you know, one could argue that some of these tools um, around commission software and stuff like that, that's been around for a while, one could argue that they are employer-friendly, and one could maybe argue, argue that some of what you're doing is employee friendly and those two things are disparate. But 
I, I want to hear you kind of talk about how what you're doing, how it's actually employer employer friendly as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole number of topics we can talk about that. You know, we'll talk about the the, the early earlier stage startup, right? That are using QuickBooks and manual processes and Excel spreadsheets that are prone to human error, right? The amount of wasted time that they're doing every month from an accounting and sales perspective uh, uh, doing that. How about, how about the legal obligation to actually pay employees correctly and the, and the liability that might be associated with that, right? Um, you know, th those would be some things. You know, and, and as, you, as you work your way up, you know, as, as smaller companies are transitioning from QuickBooks, you know, they want to try to automate that and be able to create compensation plans that will drive certain be, uh, employee behavior. You don't want to have a flat plan so that you're paying the same rates out for a, a, you know, a high margin, you know, long sales cycle, uh, you know, product versus a commodity item that, you know, low margin. So you want to be able to drive behavior based on the comp plan. A lot of these smaller companies don't have the ability to do that because they don't have the technology and the automation to do so. So that's something that true commission, commission software companies can come in to do so. As far as the employer goes, I mean, the amount of wasted time that employees spend complaining to their sales manager about pay errors, complex comp plans, lack of responses from the accounting department, you know, complaining amongst themselves about, you know, the, the crappy deals and the comp plan and the errors, or spending time trying to check the, the information. You know, if we were just all transparent and all honest with each other, I mean, we are talking about people's pay here, right? You know, it shouldn't be a game to guess if you're paid right or not. So if we got everybody on the same page, made it transparent, everybody wins with pay transparency. At the enterprise level, I see True Commission basically being a third-party overlay that would be an independent verification service to ensure that errors are not happening in either direction, right? And it could also be a recruitment and retainment tool that you could offer this as part of an employee benefit package, right? So if you come here, you'll know that you will never have to worry about pay transparency. It will both be able to recruit and retain top talent. That's great. What are uh, we're going to move to wrap in a second? So I'm going to ask you a, a, a quick question, but um... And of course, you can turn around and ask us some questions. But you know, for people listening here, like aside from reaching out to you on True Commission, right? That's easy. Dan Goodman on LinkedIn, you can find him, uh, and his four hundred thousand view posts. As I cry in no, tears. there's no bitterness or jealousy there. I've got, I've got that one teardrop. Rich, Rich, I do do LinkedIn training too. You know, I'm just, so, just kidding. Apparently, uh, <laughs> what are three quick tips people should? think about coming out of here. Okay. Like I just listened to this thing. Dan gave us this great idea. Like what are three quick things that you tell people to think about coming if they listen to this episode? Yeah. I, I, I like to raise it up a little bit higher. Like, like talk about life, right? Talk about not having regret. You know, that's the biggest thing that I'm hearing from people. You know, I, I had a call with someone a couple of months ago. They had $60,000 stolen from them and wage theft from commission pay. They didn't get any, any positive outcome. It was 13 years ago, and it sounded like it happened last week. So this, this stays with you. If you don't stand up for yourself, if you allow yourself to be bullied and intimidated, you will have regret either now or down the road, and it will stay with you. So what I tell people is to stand up for yourself. Don't be bullied and intimidated. Don't have regret. This is your rights. You're being mistreated by bad people who are doing bad things. Don't walk away with your tail between your legs. You'll regret it. it, it, it right. it's, my process is an extremely therapeutic process. When you can document your feelings and reflect back on what happened to you and put it through a different lens than what the employer is giving you, it's an extremely therapeutic process to help you move right. forward. 
So that's step one. All right. What step? What, what's another, that's tip one. What's tip two or three? You know, set yourself up for success. I mean, if you're going into a new company, don't, I mean, the, when you have the most leverage is when they want you, when they're recruiting you, right? So, you know, I always tell people to plan their exit before they arrive. I tell people to make believe tomorrow they're going to be terminated and walked out the door and all, shut out from all of their systems. So gather up all of your data, all of your information today so that you don't have regret for not being prepared for it in the future anticipate bad behavior that may happen. That's exactly why I put out these posts every day, Richard, because no, a lot of people don't know that these things exist. They're shocked to hear them. Some people don't believe it. And then you got reps coming on and saying, yes, this happened to me over and over again. So the reason why I post this is to A, so people don't feel alone, that this is a reflection on them, that they've done something wrong, that this happens to, to a lot of people all the time for bad reasons that has nothing to do with them. And it, feel, it makes them feel empowered to now be able to, to, to not strike back, but to stand up for themselves and to fight back for what's theirs. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right. So that's the second one. Is there a third one? I, I thought I put like three in that last one, but let me see. I'll, let, me, let, me, let me dig a little deeper here. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I would say is, is that, you know, to get outside of your comfort zone. And that has to do with also standing up for yourself, you know, to, to, to go out there, lever leverage LinkedIn, become part of a community, you know, continue to, to, to learn and to question things, you know, to, to, to make yourself uncomfortable with things, you know, just like it's uncomfortable to stand up for payers and fight for yourself. Well, oftentimes it's uncomfortable to do other things, whether it's about challenging yourself. I mean, I'm scared of heights. You know, I, I was, a, I, I didn't want to play golf forever because I wouldn't hit the ball and, you know, embarrass myself. And now it's like my favorite thing in the world to do. So, you know, try new things, get outside your comfort zone. Life is short. Don't have regrets. Move forward. So, what do you, what do you want to ask us? Well, I, 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 I'd love to ask you sort of like, you know, how, how like the, uh, the Surf and Sales podcast has evolved uh, over time and where you guys see it going to. And, oh. uh, you know, what type of uh, feedback have you gotten from the community on it uh, and some of the benefits that people have gotten from it? Good question, actually. Um, so a lot of people don't know that <clears throat> the Surf and Sales Summit, our actual event, which, by the way, we have a couple tickets left for uh, late November early December. So check out surfandsales.com. Um, the events happened for years before we started the podcast. It was Richard's idea to start the podcast. I didn't really want to do it. I thought it would take too much time, too much effort. I don't know how to deal with all this backend stuff. I have no desire to learn how to, how to do it. Um, and it was Richard's idea that we do it. And what we did in the first season was basically try to and I, we, we called it like this Netflix style uh, approach where we dropped like 200 episodes, like, you know, a full season and just kind of overwhelm the market with like content and information. So that was what we did the first year. I, we did over 200 episodes, which was just like insane. Um, then we did over a hundred something the next year. Then we did over 50 something last year. So we're kind of, slowing down on the volume approach, getting more to a, a cadence of like one, one and a half on average per week. Um, that's a, that's a big difference. Um, you know, we've gone from, I mean, numbers wise, we've gone from, you know, almost no downloads to like 200,000 downloads, uh, in the last few months, um, our downloads per episode and per month are like double what they, what they have historically been. So we're over here, you know, 
pretty excited to see some of that growth. I'm sure some of it has to do with our friends at HubSpot and being a part of the HubSpot podcast network. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that we are kind of steady Eddie. Like we have done a very good job of being consistent and getting good guests and getting new episodes out. What do you think, Richard? What am I missing? Um, I think that's, I think that's the bulk of it. I think that um, we're getting wiser about things we can do better. Um, we're getting wiser about seeing these things as assets, which we've always said, you know, if you ever go on a podcast, right, this is an asset, right? Dan, you could go take this episode and make 10 blog posts, right? And you don't have to write any more blog posts for 10 weeks. You could go and do the same thing with LinkedIn content from this episode alone. Um, and so trying to treat these things as assets in other ways so that we can keep growing, I think is, is our biggest, um, challenge because Scott and I just, you know, we love the ideas of things, but it, it's not hard. It just takes time. And, and, you know, we've already, you know, we're, we got families, so like kudos yeah. to our, kudos to our families for letting us record 200 episodes the first year. Yeah, like, no, no. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's incredible across all of your platforms, the, you know, yeah. the value that you guys bring back and, and how you guys encourage folks and, and lift them up. It's, you know, it, it's incredible. So I, I guess what I'd, li I'd like to ask is if you can each talk about a little bit sort of some of the feedback that you've gotten from folks and, you know, how it makes you feel to be able to, you know, impact people's lives and get that feedback and change their trajectory. You know, we've gotten lots of nice messages of people saying this is super informative, you know, thanks for dealing with this subject that doesn't get talked about enough. I bet we get some of that feedback on this episode, frankly, because we've never talked about pay transparency on the episode in 500 something episodes that, that we've done. Um, but we also get some, some feedback about the entertainment value, you know, and people are like, you two are funny, you know, you're kind of half goofy, half serious, half educational, you banter back and forth. And you know, I've had people say they've stopped in the middle of their jog and laughed out loud before and stuff like that. And, you know, that stuff makes me feel good because um, for, for me, like this platform doesn't need to be super serious all the time, shouldn't be super serious all the time, should be a mixture of education, entertainment, inspiration. Those are my three big bullet points that I, I try to hit upon. So. Yep. Yeah, I, th I think this is the same thing we, um, you know, people like our sort of, you know, old married couple banter back and forth. Um, I think they like the fact that we we really do dig in on questions. We try to sort of go deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, sort of like, you know, me asking you repeatedly, what are your three tips, right? Because some of that stuff repeated, but there's something different in the perspectives of those things. Or when people use buzzwords, which I hate, I'll call them out on it. Although I've gotten better about not being such a jerk. Um, when when buzzwords come up but um have you guys ever seen that cartoon uh mutton jeff way back in the day i know that the younger folks didn't but you, have you, mutton, you, you look it up you guys are oh. mutton jeff you guys are it's, it's like jeff. the polar is that your era is that your era richard or is dan even older than you uh maybe a little bit of both i know of mutton jeff but i don't i never I have to check it out now it was my favorite cartoon. It was the only one that I would read in the comics every Sunday when it came out. I would run to read that one cartoon. Well, when you when you go to share uh, this episode, Dan, you can put a little image of Mutton Jeff 
and see how many people in the in the LinkedIn community know what you're talking about there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm showing my age here, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we appreciate you spending time with us, Dan. We wish you all the best with True Commish and continued growth. And you're doing, uh, you know, the Lord's work over here, helping helping people out. So appreciate everything that you do in the community. And uh, if you want to check out more about what Dan's up to, connect with him, message him on LinkedIn. I know he'll get back to you. And check out True Commish, T-R-U-C-O-M-M-I-S-H, True Commish. All right, Dan, we'll see you. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it, guys. Have a great time. Take care. Thanks to HubSpot as well for sponsoring us. Check them out. Thank you.